are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Your Bibles tonight, we're in Exodus, and we're going to deviate from the uh, book of the uh, week. We're supposed to, be in, supposed to be in Isaiah, and we'll deviate next Wednesday night as well. In two weeks from tonight, when all the schools are back, we'll uh, get into Isaiah. It is a tremendous book, just an exciting book, and I hope you'll be in prayer for that. I have been so led, I think, the last perhaps two, uh, maybe a week and a half to this text, and I felt like on Sunday, God was just dealing with my heart that uh, I'd speak from this text. This text right here helped me. And the best I can figure it out, it was 15 years ago. And I quite often, I quote this text to myself. I've needed this text. God gave me this text. It's uh, not a text of comfort. It's not a text of sorrow. It's a text that puts fire in my bones and excitement in my heart and trust in God. And uh, so I've preached this one time. I don't know what Bible I preached it from. I just pulled this one off myself, and I see I have it marked on many Bibles. But um, I, I, I hope that you don't think I'm getting lazy. I've preached only one other message twice in my ministry from this pulpit. And I actually preached that one, Leanne Manley. I talked to you about it because it's, uh, it, I preached that one three times. It was from, it was from uh, Psalm chapter three. And I remember preaching it at a place called Hiles Anderson College. And the day before, John Rice preached there. And it was about his last message to preach. And I don't say this out of humor. It was a heartache. He uh, they discovered he had his shoes on his wrong feet while he preached. And uh, his life was ebbing away and is about finished with his journey. And um, I preached the next day, Psalm 3. God used that that morning. I'll never forget how God got in that service. I've repeated that message, I believe, three times in this pulpit. Never another one twice. This one is twice. And I, I, I do so because I believe to this crowd tonight, you need this truth. The journey of life is wonderful. I love life. I hope I get to go by way of rapture. I love life. I enjoy life. I enjoy getting up every day and, uh, and serving God. It's, it's a privilege. It's an honor I love marriage, I love family, I love this area, I love all that God has done for me. And, uh, and yet sometimes in life, we get to the point that we don't know what to do. I'm gonna give you one word tonight, it's not in the text, but the thought is in the text. And when I say the one word tonight, immediately, you'll know something about your own life. Immediately you'll say, this is where I am and that word is in my life right now. It might be as we took 
uh, four days away last week and came back and it just seems like I've dealt with so many people regarding their marriage. And so when I give you the word, it might be your marriage that comes to your attention. It might be your job and you found out that you're gonna get shut down or laid off or they're gonna have to reduce finances for your job, whatever the case might be, or you're not happy in your job. It might be your children, your son, your daughter, your prodigals, or you're raising and all of a sudden you've hit an impasse with your son that you love so much, or your daughter that you love so much, and they're perhaps not trying to be uh, bad, but they're just at that point. And you as a parent, you're thinking, what in the world do I do? It might be tonight some preacher that is watching and you feel this way about your church. You love God, you love the word of God, you love your mate, you love your church, but you, when I say the word, you say, that's, that's me. It might be your age and you've reached this certain point of age, whatever it might be. And because of that age, you feel this word, that, that explains who I am. I wonder tonight as I say this one word, if you can put something in your mind immediately, that's me. It might be your health. It might be that the doctor told you something this week, last week, or they're gonna tell you something. And you're at that point and you just feel this word. And so whatever it is, I'll give you the word. You say, that describes my marriage. That describes my child. That describes my finances. That describes my children. That describes my age. That describes my health. Have you ever come to the point, and I'm about ready to give you the word, in life, I find that most sophomores in college get to this word. That doesn't mean that you become a sophomore and you, that you have to face this. You might face it. You'll face this word in four years of college, I promise you. Have you ever felt in life, and here's the word, completely trapped? It's amazing the last week or two, how many times I've, peep, I've heard people even say trapped and they're just using the word and I'm thinking, I'm, that's what God's dealing with my heart about right now. You feel just, you're not seeking a divorce, you just feel trapped. I don't get along with her, she doesn't get along with me, I'm trapped. Can't go forward, can't go backwards, can't turn the right, can't turn the left. There's nothing I can do to change the situation with my kids. There's nothing I can do to change the situation with my health. I'm trapped. There's nothing I can do to change the situation in my job. I'm trapped. Can't leave it. Can't get a different one. I'm stuck. I'm just simply trapped. It's an amazing thing when you're trapped. The Bible says, the Lord spake. And that is sort of a great thought by way of introduction. This trapping did not come from Satan. God is going to trap them. God's gonna shut them in. And one day when you get through the obstacle of being trapped, 
cannot go forward, backward, right or left. One day you get through that, you're gonna look back and say, Jesus led me all the way. Led me step by step each day. Hi, oh I tell you what can, I thank God that you can, can say that God here in this text, it's his design. God has you in a faith building mode when you're trapped. For without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. God is going to trap these people. And may I say something about these four verses that Brother Bertram read? It is going to be the most quoted text, the remainder of the Bible. Isaiah, 800 years later, is going to quote this text. Jeremiah, 800 years later, is going to quote this text. Nehemiah chapter 9, verse number 19, is going to quote this text. May I say that Joshua is going to quote this text. And Daniel is going to quote this text. This text is quoted by the Old Testament and in the New Testament. Job quotes this text. David quotes this text. It is the most quoted text. The Judges, chapter 11, verse 6, quotes this text. Because all of Israel's history, even to this day, it's still being quoted, is going to spin from this trapping. Our church in 44 years has been trapped so many times. I can think of those 30-some years over on that one acre of land and continue to grow and grow and grow. And we were trapped. God, I'd say, God, is it me? Once in a while, I said, you want me to step aside Unless someone else passed, because Lord, for some reason, I cannot get these dear people off this property. We have 38 parking stalls. And at that time, when we were still over there, about 25 to 2,700 people coming. I said, Lord, what's the problem here? I've, I've got to, it's my job. Lord, I, I've got to help. And God trapped us a year in five and 10. I went up and down what is now Montague Expressway. Most of that land was all farm, it was all farmland. And I went to place after place, certified letters. Most of it was owned by Southern Pacific Railroad. And I said, please, would you sell us the land? And we were trapped. For over 30 years, trapped. But may I say something? I look back and even I could see it in the midst of it at times that being trapped on 941 Clyde Avenue was the best thing for North Valley Baptist Church. It caused God's people to believe that whatever it is, we can conquer it with his help. When there's no parking, you're not allowed to park here. We can park somewhere else. We'll, we'll make it. It'll be okay. When we're out of room and for 15 years preached a morning service and preached another morning service thereafter, Sunday school between, it just worked. When for all those years, you left the second service and you had your Bibles out everywhere and we brought chairs in everywhere and people set up the sides of the balconies on the, on the steps itself and you knew if you didn't come to the second service, you'd be sitting in another room for the evening service and watching the service. And the place was always packed, every location. God was building something in our hearts here God said, the Lord spake, God, God decided, God's decided to trap you with your job. Not every case, but many cases, he knows. 
because he's going to build faith in your life. For without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You and I cannot please God unless it's by faith. But I can't stay here, Pastor. I can't afford to live here. But God says, how about faith? How about faith? I led a man to Christ. He's older than I am. I led a man to Christ a few years back. And, and he and his wife, though successful, never owned a home. And he had a home in a beautiful city given to him. From a man that he barely knew, God can do anything. God's going to open up a Red Sea here. And if God can open up a Red Sea, because this faith chapter is going to show the children of Israel the remainder of the Bible, that it goes back to the Red Sea. They had some faith. And God trapped them. And God did something. Though they're going to complain in this chapter. And they're going to gripe in this chapter. And they're going to wish to go back to Egypt in this chapter. It winds up that they believe God in the end. The Bible said that speak unto the children of Israel that they, that they, what's that next word? That they what? Turn. You see it in verse 2? Speak unto the children that they turn. Whose idea was it that they turn? It was God's. What was happening? Well, they just had the Passover. And the blood was applied to the doorposts. And the firstborn were smitten. And God's people were leaving Egypt. And they took the gold, they spoiled the people, the Egyptians of the gold and the silver and all that, and they began to leave. And, and Pharaoh says, go, get out of here. Oh, what a victory march. And they're headed toward a land of joy and promise. And God says, I want you to turn. And when those nearly two million Jews turned, they went forward to the Red Sea. There was no bridge. There were no canoes. There were no boats. No way to get across. Ahead of them was the Red Sea. Behind them, the Bible says, the Egyptians pursued. There was no way to go to the right or left. It was all the water. They were what you call completely trapped. And Pharaoh will say, verse 3, of the children of Israel, they are entangled in the land. They're trapped in the land. The wilderness hath trapped them in, shut them in. Life oftentimes pivots from single decision. It hinges from single decisions. I don't think that everybody has to stay in this church. I know people move and it can be in the will of God. I see moving in the Bible is always a spiritual move. I see when you go to Egypt and it's not a spiritual move, you always go to bondage. I was preaching many years ago and I went to Texas and on that Monday night, after I was talking to all the guests that were there, and many years ago, there's so many preachers and churches, and, and, and afterwards, I had a lineup of people. I found there were 13 families that were former members of this church. They said, we wanted to wait till the crowd goes, and, and we wanted to just talk to you. I was their pastor. 13 families. 
scattered all over different cities, and they came in that night. It was really a, a reunion. It was a blessed time. The next week, I was in Florida, and it was an odd thing, but 13 families again, that I hadn't been their pastor, and they moved to Florida. And it's not wrong to move to Florida. I'm just saying that's where they moved. And I think many of them had a desire for God. I'm not, I'm not questioning why. The third week I was preaching in the Chicago land area, and I had 13 families, and I know it doesn't sound possible, 13, 13, 13. And some of them went on for God to live for God. But invariably that line took so long in all three cities because I'd heard things like, we wish we'd have never moved. And I'm not saying you're wrong to move, please. I don't want to, okay, this is a cult. You got to stay here or else you're going to have the treatment hex on you. God knows all about what you're supposed to do. But I find that so many people make decisions out of fear. We don't allow God when we're trapped to work it out. There were two occasions that I almost left this church. And the last one was shortly after we built in August, 13 years ago, this great building. I didn't go through a struggle for a day or for a week or for a month, but a long season. I thought God was done with me here. You know, sometimes in life we get trapped and the decision we make when we're trapped Our life hinges, it spins on that decision. I want to go back because I want to make sure you understand, maybe perhaps in moving somewhere else, God wants you to move so you can be in the place where your son can find the girl or find the, uh, the, the, or the girl can find the young man that she's supposed to marry and maybe they're in that place right there, I don't know. But you also are perhaps moving them away from the place where they're supposed to find their mate. And I don't know that. But one day God makes it all plain plain to us. They're trapped. And future generations are going to hinge from this moment. And the Bible says, And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, verse 8. And he pursued after the children of Israel. And when you're trapped, isn't it amazing how the enemy comes? The flesh comes. You shouldn't have done this. Family comes. You shouldn't have. And they pursue after you. And the company pursues after you. Or whatever it might be. There's always a fight. There's always an attack. But verse 9 says it again. The Egyptians pursued after them. And verse 10, and when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes. Oh, be careful what you see when you're trapped. We see things all wrong. If we're not careful, it's hopeless. I think so many of God's people are watching too much news. I doubt if it's even true. Who knows what's going on? but I know someone that does know what's going on. And when Pharaoh, verse 10, drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them, and they, read it with me, and they were sore. And the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord, 
and they said to Moses, because there was no graves, they begin to attack leadership. And I find so often when people attack their dad or attack their mother or attack a pastor or attack some leader in their life, it's generally not that they're bad people, but they're afraid. They see it's just hopeless. I'm trapped. And here he says, they're saying that we, 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 we could have stayed in Egypt. And is it not that the word that we did tell these saying, let us alone. Let us alone. Oh, what a way to talk to Moses. That we may serve the Egyptians. For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians. We should die in this wilderness. It's an awful situation now. They're trapped. They spin and they can hear and they can see the Egyptians are coming. And Moses is trying to lead and, you know, I feel bad for Moses. He didn't know the water was going to open up yet. He had the enemy coming. He had the Jews there that, 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 that were accusing him and upset with him. I like his leadership. Moses, and this is my verse in my text, verse 13. And Moses said unto the people, what are those next three words, church? I'm told there are 365 fear knots in the Bible. One for every day of the year. Fear is the opposite of faith. God is trying to build faith. They're going to have to have faith. They must have faith for the remainder of the journey. They cannot live by fear. For the just shall live by faith. When we do not live by faith, we live by the flesh. We live by sin. And we begin to make decisions. Well, what I see, no, I know what you see. You see the Egyptians. But what does God see? How is God, how's God going to come and deliver out of this situation? How's God going to preserve that marriage? How's God going to bring that son, that daughter home? How's God going to change? How is God going to miraculously do something? September, I'll still have these men preach some more in August and uh, in September, beginning the 8th, for four Sunday mornings thereafter, I've been working on where God wants me to go on Sunday night where we're going to see. And I'll tell you what, it's, it's all that God's still on the throne and God can. Amen. God can. Isn't it amazing when God fed 5,000 just two chapters next, he said this time and before, they said, we don't think he can do it. They had great doubt, but they've already had 5,000. I don't believe God's done here. Well, we have the property over there, church going on over there. Now, we have the property here, but it's not, it's not possible to get any more. Who said? Who said? I don't think God's done yet. I believe there's more buses to buy, more buses to run. There's more stations to get. I believe there's more land to get, more buildings to get. I believe a Sunday school building needs to be built. I, God can do anything but fail. But you're going to have to fear you not. 
Keep your hand. It just comes to my mind, that favorite verse, Psalm. Isaiah, would you turn there, 41? I'd like you to read it with me, and I know we're out of time. It's about 10 minutes, a little less. It's amazing when you get to chapter 41, verse 10. Verse 10, what's the first three words of chapter 41, verse 10? Isaiah 41, 10, ready, begin. Fair. And how about chapter 41, verse 13, down at the last line, two words, they're right there. They say, fear not. And how about verse 14, what are the first two words? What is it? Fear not. Verse 10 says, fear thou not, for I am with thee. When your marriage is having trouble, God's with you. When she walks out, God's with you. When he walks out, God's with you. When they marry someone else, God is still with you. I think we think this little genie called God, and I sound, after I said that, that sounds irreverent. I don't mean it to be irreverent. But I think we think it was a little genie in a bottle that we, you know, if, if he works it all out, he's God. What if he takes you through the fire and the flood? He's still God. And I don't have to fear because he's still on the throne. Fear not, thou not, I am with thee. Be not dismayed, I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Go back to chapter 14. We'll start to wrap it up. God's given us a formula here when you're trapped. Fear thou not. Fear removes faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please him. But I don't see. Well, neither did they. Three words, fear thou not. What are the three words with a formula to, when trapped? What are the three words? Fear. Now let's say it like independent, fundamental, temperamental Baptist. Are you ready? Three words when you're trapped. Three words, what are they? Fear. And then there's two words. What's the next two words? Stand still. Stand still. I'm not a stand still type guy. And most of you are not either. I, 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 just, I just believe if, if you're going, and we don't really eat fast food, but if you're going through the fast food and you're in line for more than 30 seconds, I'm, I, something's wrong with this place. I mean, let's get going here. Let's have it our way. I mean, snappy, 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 let's go. But God says, I want you to stand still. These, these Israelites had no idea what to do. But God knew. And he says, what I want you to do is stand still. But can't we build a bridge? No, stand still. But can't we, can't we turn around and fight them? No, stand still. But this is difficult. Stand still. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Waiting brings strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run, walk and not be weary. They shall run and not fail. God wants me to stand still. So you may, or many of you were there. We stood still for five years and 10 years and 15 years and 20 years and 25. Oh, we kept so winning. We kept running more buses. We'd had normally a bus a year. 
We kept serving God. We kept building buildings. And after we built some buildings, two of them that I know of, we tore down and built bigger. And in the midst of it, we built a beautiful auditorium and then tore down another building so we could have more room for the enlarged auditorium and then built the horseshoe balconies that came around that place. God said, I want you to stand still. At 941 Clyde Avenue, stand still. With your marriage, God, God said, well, I'm going to have to call a lawyer. I'm going to protect myself. I'm going to have to call somebody. I'm going to deal with this. I need to know. Stand still. Stop being so agitated. So God gives us a formula, three. Three words when you're trapped. Three words. What are those three words together like you mean at one time? Ready? Fear. What are the two words? What's the one word? See. Look what he says there. Fear thou not. Stand still. And see. And see. See what God's going to do. Don't take it out of God's hand. He, he's going to do something. But it's so impossible. Oh, I know. God specializes in things thought impossible. Verse 26, and the Lord said unto Moses, stretch out thy hand over the sea. The waters may come again unto the Egyptians upon the chariots, upon the horsemen. And Moses stretched forth his hand. And the Lord, the Lord's all about the Lord here. He overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea and the waters covered the chariots. And the children of Israel walked, verse 29, in the midst, uh, in a dry land in the midst of the sea. And the waters were a wall to them on the right hand or the left. Who in the world would have ever thought of, instead of a bridge, opening up a tunnel? God did. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians. And the Israel saw, God, they saw. He said, you stand still, you stand still, you're going to see it. They saw the Egyptians dead in the seashore. And the Egyptians, the Israelite, Israel, here it is, verse, again, verse 31 again, saw, they saw it. And the Lord did the Egyptians, and the people feared the Lord, and what? Believed. What is faith? It's believing God. They had no belief in God. But when God came through, God gives us trappings so we can look back See, I remember when he did this. I remember when God intervened here when it was hopeless. And we were so trapped, but God did it. He just generally does it different every time. I don't know how he's going to do it all, but he does it different. I love to sing that song, Be Not Dismayed, Whate'er be tied, God will take care of you. Beneath his wings of love abide. God will take care of you. He's going to take care of you, young couple. Yeah, but it's not possible. Yeah, it is possible. God will take care. He will of you through every day. We'll have college students invade this place. And we're excited about seeing them. And you know what's going to happen to them? They're going to get a job. 
in their first, second, third, fourth year, somewhere they're going to get laid off. And the first response is probably generally going to be, I got to go home. Can't make it here. I got to have a job. But that removes the opportunity for God to build their faith. They're going to have to have adversity in college because they're going to be launched out into the ministry. And if just all easy in life, they're not be prepared for the most difficult days that are yet to come. And so they will go through adversity. God forbid, I don't want it to happen. They will, some, have a car accident. They will play basketball and have a dislocated nose. Well, probably not with basketball, but certainly with volleyball. It seems like, and I, I, I don't want to be harsh. I hope this doesn't come across. It seems like every year somebody back home in the family passes away. They'll be tested. They'll be tried. For when I'm tried and purified, I shall come forth as gold. And I find that the ones it seems that God allows the trapping the most, many times, come out the best for God. And they do the most for God. And so here, they found out the formula is really easy. Three, two, one. I really believe, Brother Steve, I try my best to study. I'm reading all the time, the Bible, I study it. If I can't sleep tonight, I guarantee it. I'll study my Bible. And that night I was going to preach, and I'm guessing it was maybe 15 years ago. We were living across Montague at that time. We since have moved back over here to this neighborhood. And that Sunday night, it had to be about 5 o'clock or 445 I was walking and I was on that side of the sidewalk coming this way and I'd eventually have to cross over De La Cruz to this side. And I was just at the Safeway. And I was thinking of this text. I knew that I was going to speak on being trapped. And I said, Lord, this text is so powerful. And I'd studied verse 13 so much I basically had memorized it. And I, I was walking, and I said, you know, I know what we need to do. We just need to fear you not. I'm almost now to the Wells Fargo Bank. I said, I just have to, three little words, fear you not. I wish I could say that came through the night hours fasting and praying. I was walking by Safeway, fear you not. And then I said, now, Lord, well, there's... Then two words, stand still. And before I hit the stop, I said, there's one more word in that verse, it's see. God has used and will continue to use this formula in my life. Because sometimes I trap myself. But I think because God loves me so much as he loves you no more for me than you, he traps me a lot. And when I get trapped, 
I sometimes turn and I see it's not possible. I look ahead and say it's, it's hopeless. But I can also tell you that many times I'll say three, two, one. And then sometimes I add another word, blast off. Three, two, one. I'd like you to get these three words, these two words, this one word. As we stand together all over the house, what are the three words, the formulas for success in my life when I am totally trapped in a, in a you say, in my marriage, in my job, in my health, with my kids? When I'm totally trapped, there's three, three words. I'm going to say it one time with you. What, there are three words. You, gotta, you have to have them. Three words. When you're trapped, what's the formula? Three words, what are they? Fear not. Fear you not. There's two words. And there's one word. And I promise you, he always does something. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.